Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys this morning. My name's Will, if we've not had a chance to meet yet, and I have the honor of being part of the team here at Grace, and we are really excited that you're joining us for worship, whether you're in person, online, we are so glad that you are here to worship with us. We are in the middle of a sermon series that we have entitled Real Life, Real Pain. We recognize that life can be really hard and often bring some really deep hurt and pain, some really hard with it. And so we, we deeply believe that without being cheesy about it, that Jesus is the answer and that in him is hope and peace and life. And if we can lean in when things are really hard, then we can find those things. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so we deeply believe this to be true. And it's not just that we're going to come in and paint a smile on our face and be happy and joyful because life's going to be okay. No, no, there's some real hurt. And we really, really believe that in Jesus, there is peace. There is hope that it is better than what the world has to offer because he has overcome the world. And so we've also put this parental discussion advice kind of warning label on it because we really want you as parents to have some deeper conversations and more conversations about these topics because we've shared a lot of stats about how our students in particular middle and high schoolers are wrestling through these things. And statistically speaking, if it's not your student, it's a good friend of your students, someone that they are in community with. And at the end of the day, I think that we as a church and you as parents need to be having these conversations so they don't just hop on Google and ask the questions or go to their friends who don't really know a whole lot, right? And so we need to be having these conversations. And so if you want any, you know, talking points or, or discussion guides or anything to help with these conversations, please reach out and we would love to, to help you guys as parents continue these conversations. And today, again, we're going to dive in to something that is, that is hard and cause a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in our lives. And as we, as we, we talked about in the very beginning, so many of these are connected. And that's again the case today as we talk about addictions. The very first, uh, uh, Sunday uh, in this series, we talked about anxiety and depression, debilitating anxiety and depression. And so many times, the stress and anxiety that we face in this world leads us to try to cope with it in some way. Right? We all have stress, and, and some of us learn how to handle that stress in different ways. Some of us are, are capable of, of handling more maybe than others, but I don't know anybody who says, oh yeah, stress. I need more of that in my life. Yeah. No, we don't do that. And in fact, our body physically, like, we, we try to get rid of stress. We try to get rid of anxiety. And, and far, far too many times we try going to something that ends up becoming an addiction. Ends up being really, really hard and detrimental and causes a whole lot of pain in the process. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going, to, we're going to talk about it. I love what, uh, what Paul, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And, and so many times these addictions that we face, like they start innocently enough, right? They start by trying to, to cope with something that's hard or having a, you know, a long day and, or, or they just start as fun, right? I mean, we were all young at some point. Some of us are still young life is fun. Some of these things are fun. 
God created us to enjoy life, to feel pleasure, to feel good. I mean, he, he created our bodies with feel-good hormones. The mo- one we talk about most is dopamine, right? That our brain releases dopamine to, to feel good, to experience pleasure and, and good things. Imagine just for a moment that you, you leave church today, you get in the car, pull into the house, into the garage or the carport driveway, and you open the door and you smell fresh baked cookies, what kind of cookie comes to mind? Chocolate chip? Oatmeal raisin? I'll do like some oatmeal raisin. Peanut butter? I'm a big peanut butter cookie guy. Oh, doesn't that smell good? Imagine going to the stove. They are freshly baked. And you just take one, you take a bite, and it just falls apart in your mouth. It's so good. Right? That releases dopamine. Even thinking about it, bringing those, those feelings and emotions to mind releases some dopamine. You're welcome for that, right? It just feels good. It tastes good. And that's not why we were created, but God did create us to feel pleasure and good. And, and what happens so many times is we start chasing that, right? Some of these things feel really good. And if we're not careful, we end up trying to pursue them to a point it becomes detrimental. And we try to manufacture it on our own and we pursue it. So whether, whether we pursue it because it just feels good and we want more of it, or maybe we're trying to cope with something, these addictions, man, they get a hold of us. They get a hold of us and they sink their teeth in and, and it, it, it is hard and it can hurt and it can hurt deeply. And I think Peter addresses why they can sometimes be so hurtful and harmful. First Peter chapter five, verse eight it says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Right? He, he's going around. He is looking for opportunities to take us down. He's, he's looking for opportunities to, to hurt the relationship between us and God and us and other people. He is, he is looking to take us down. And anything, even good things, anything that he can use to do that, he's going to do. And there's nothing wrong with going shopping and enjoying a shopping spree. But if we do that as a way of coping, right? Shopping was not designed to help alleviate stress and be something that we always go to and that can end up putting a financial burden and and, and it can cause a lot of hurt. Alcohol, I know several who really enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. They like the way it smells, the notes. I hear that's an alcohol or a wine thing, the notes. I, I'm not a wine person, so I don't know. But like it, it is something that we can enjoy and is good. But to come home from a long, stressful day and, and need something to cope and take the edge off, right? alcohol is not designed to do that. Tylenol, ibuprofen is great when we have a headache or have some pain. Really strong painkillers are great after surgery. Man, it is so easy to get addicted to those. It is so easy to keep going back over and over and over again. It's a list of some other addictions that maybe we can fall into. Uh, Psychology Today lists video games and cell phones, technology as addictions in our world today. They, in fact, they, they define an addiction as a substance or behavior for which the rewarding effects provide a compelling incentive to repeat the activity despite detrimental consequences. 
right? It, it feels good. There's a reason we keep going back, whether it actually does numb the pain. Maybe, maybe it works in coping with stress and anxiety. It, it seems to take it away, at least for a moment. Or maybe it just feels good. We, we, we keep going back to these things. There, there is a rewarding effect that is compelling, that is drawing us in. And unfortunately, we don't always recognize the detrimental consequences until it's too late. Right, until we hit rock bottom, until it affects the relationships with people that we love and care about around us. And it hurts. And it stings. There's a couple addictions that I want to talk about specifically this morning. And the last thing I want to do is say that these are worse than the others by any stretch of the imagination. Every addiction is different for different people. And if you wrestle with one in particular, um, I, I, I can't imagine what that is like and the hard that that is. There's a couple, and the reason I picked these, these two in particular is because I think that they just too often go under the radar. They go untalked about. One of, them, one of them is a bit newer in our world today. And so this is not me saying these are the worst or these are worse than the others by any stretch of the imagination but I just don't have all the time in the world to talk about all of them. But I want us to be able to realize some of the hurt and the pain, some of the destruction that they can cause so that we can also have compassion for those who are trapped. Right? I want us to be able as a church to wrap our arms around people who are wrestling and struggling and be able to offer support and help however possible because it can be so ugly. So the first one that I just want us to talk a little bit about this morning is social media. Social media is something that can be incredibly addictive. And I know you might say that it depends on how you use it and that it is amoral and it could be used for good and bad. And I get that. But the actual design of social media is to be addictive. Right? You, you log on to social media and you have the little notification of how many notifications you have. Right, There's a number. You have three, four, five unseen notifications, 56 unread notifications. And when you start scrolling through there, man, it, it feels good. There's actual dopamine release from saying, oh, somebody liked my comment. Somebody liked my post. Somebody commented on my post or shared my post. Man, that feels good. We were created by God for connection and community. But when I come to church here, nobody, nobody compliments what I wear. Nobody says, man, Will, you, you're looking good today. I like that shirt. But I post a picture on social media and I have 14 comments. Right? There'll be 18 people who comment and say, man, I, li- I like that. I like that shirt. I like what you're wearing, man. You look great. People will like it just because they can like it and keep on scrolling. And to have 56 likes on a post, man, that feels good. That feels good. Because what I say on a Sunday morning, nobody comes up and says I like. I'm just kidding. Some people do. But it gets way better feedback on social media. And it makes me feel really good. What happens unconsciously, the dangers of this, right, is that we start realizing what gets responses. 
We realize what gets likes, and, and a lot of this is subconscious, a lot of this is, is not intentional. We realize what gets likes, we realize what gets comments, and so we, we post things, we post pictures or status updates that, that get likes and comments and shares. And the way people say things on social media, they wouldn't even dream of saying in person. And even the people who say, no, I've said it in person, I would say it in person again. Right, when you sit down over coffee with somebody, there is not the sharpness in the tone. There is not the harshness. You might say the same thing, but it comes across in a very different way. And what social media has done is created a cheap substitute for what God has created us for. Right? He has created us for community. We need connection with each other. But this face-to-face, sitting down over dinner, sitting down over coffee... That's the real stuff. That's where real connection and community and relationships happen. And this, the social media stuff, it, it's a, it is a cheap imitation attempt at what God has created to be so good. So good. Uh, Anna, Anna Lemke wrote a book, uh, about social media and the dopamine that's released in that. And she says this, she said, further, our brains are not equipped to process the millions of comparisons the virtual world demands. We can become overwhelmed by our inability to measure up to these, quote, perfect people who only exist in the matrix. We give up trying and sink into depression or what neuroscience is called learned helplessness. Surgeon General just came out a couple weeks ago with a, uh, a news update bulletin advisory for parents with kids on social media. And it was a really, really long document that was within the article. We're going to post that on our social media this week. Parents, please, 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 please read that. Social media is relatively new. It's not been around long enough to, to have really deep studies and, and research go into it. These studies take years to see the effects of social media on the brain. And, and we are just now getting to the point that some of this data and survey and research is, is starting to come up. And, and they're seeing it linked to increased depression and increased anxiety and increased ADHD. And it is not good especially for our young folks. And we typically think of social media, right? This is, this is really impacting the younger generation. But I'm telling you guys, I go to Cracker Barrel sometimes for breakfast and to sit there and see even some older folks scrolling through their phones. This is, this is not a generational thing. This is something that impacts all of us. And it is so, so easy to get caught up and our world be so focused on what's happening in this cheap imitation substitute for what God created us for. And I think that's what makes really so many addictive addictions so tempting and so hard is because we are desiring what God has like built into us. Not the reason for our existence, right? We are not designed to feel pleasure and to feel good, but, but he has built that inside of us, right? And we are desiring community that he has built into into this world that we are created to to experience and have with each other. And when we can't find it in person, when it's really, really hard to be honest and vulnerable with people around a dinner table, then we go online to places where we can hide behind a screen. 
where we can share about our struggles. We can share about what's hard, but it's detached. And people can encourage us without actually knowing us and being there for us. And that only works but so well. Until it just doesn't anymore. So we've got to be cautious about falling deeper into this addiction of social media. The other addiction I want to talk very briefly about this morning is another cheap substitute for something that God has made very good. And that is the addiction of pornography. God created sex to be good, to be very good. You guys agree? Maybe? Hopefully? This is uncomfortable a little bit. Right? God created sex to be good. I think it is very good. And you're thinking, of course, Will, you're a guy. Of course you're saying that. No, no, no. Guys, I think my wife enjoys sex just as much as I do. You said you were going to amen to that. You're not going to amen to that? Okay. All right. <laughs> it is good. It is really, really good. I'm not saying it's the best thing God ever did. That's, that's Jesus on the cross, right? But it is up there. It is so good. Making anybody uncomfortable yet. Man, it's good. Within the bounds that God created it to be. Within marriage, between a husband and a wife and every, I mean, it is so complex. It is so beautiful and wonderful and within the safety, the commitment of marriage, not just the first marriage, right? This is not just a, we've been married once and we're not going to save sex when you start dating someone else the second time after marriage. No, no, the marriage covenant and commitment, it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I think it's because it is so good that sex outside of marriage is so hurtful and it can be so hard and pornography specifically has been a way that our culture says I want to feel good without actually sinning without breaking the marriage covenant right it, it, it detaches it and it, and it makes it feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the good parts of it. And what it, what it is, a cheap imitation attempt at something God has made so good. And it is so destructive. And it is so harmful. And it is an addiction that grabs us and is so hard to kick. Over $3,000 are spent on pornography every second. On average, at any moment, 28,000 viewers are, are, are online watching pornography. The average age for the, seeing pornography for the first time is between 11 and 12 years old. 75% of teens have seen it by the age of 17. By the age of 17. 75% of parents think their kids have never seen pornography. But 53% of their kids, of that 75% of parents, 53% of their kids have. So some studies and numbers from 2003, 2004 about marriages that ended divorce, 56 to 66% of them list pornography as a contributing cause. Maybe not the factor, but that's where it started. And that's, that's part of the hard, hard 
addiction of pornography, and many addictions work this way, right? That a little bit then isn't enough. And so you need a little bit more, and then that doesn't become enough, so you need a little bit more, and then it just keeps growing, and it can so easily and quickly just get out of control. In the survey that we did here at the church, 12% of people here in this church said that it's something that they struggle with and wrestle with. It is hard. It is so hard. It is an addiction that just grips us. It's something that I've wrestled with. It's something that a lot of guys in particular wrestle with. But the numbers of women who have wrestled with pornography over the last decade or so have increased, that it's still under guys typically, but, but it's not that far off. And when we try these cheap substitutes for the goodness of what God has for us, it always eventually ends very poorly. And God wants so much more for us Right? He created so much good in this world, so many good things he created, and he wants us to experience. And, and when addiction gets us down, we, we feel like there's no hope. We feel like there's no getting back from this, but there, there is. There, there is. I love the way Paul puts it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. And this is what happens when good things, good things become ultimate things, right? They dominate over us and it impacts our work. It impacts our home. It impacts our finances. It impacts relationships. And it's like that's become the master that we serve and we worship because we try anything we can to to get to that point, to get that dopamine release. We try whatever we can to feel good, to feel pleasure, and it becomes something that we end up worshiping. And it is hard to get out of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Resisting temptation, resisting Satan is a muscle that if we don't exercise, if we don't use it, we we can get weak. We, We can just get weak using this muscle if we don't use it at all. And And it is so hard. We got to go back to the gym, guys. We have to go back to the gym and we have to start exercising this muscle and start practicing resisting Satan and resisting these temptations because he is trying to bring us down and trying to damage the relationships around us and will use anything in our life to do that. And especially, especially some of these things that Some can be good, some are not good, but they are all just cheap substitutes for the goodness that God has in mind. And so we've got to get up. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what someone in your life is wrestling with and going through right now, but my guess is that you or someone that is close to you is wrestling an addiction, and it is hard. And we need 
to support and help people stand back up. I love the way that Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5, 3 to 5. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now this shame, or this this, uh, suffering is not the influence of the outside world and persecuting us as Christians or saying things, right? It's, it's not the suffering of being a Christian in this world and things outside. No, no. This is the suffering of when we are down trying to stand back up, right? It's not just addictions, right? There, there just might be other things. Sometimes life is hard and it just knocks us down, right? And it hurts. And it is hard to stand back up. It is hard to take a step up the ladder and then another step, knowing that Satan is trying to knock us down and keep us down. But when we get up, when we get up as hard and painful as it can be, and we take a step, in that suffering it produces endurance. And in that endurance, it produces character. And in that character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Before I go on to the rest of this verse, you need to know that if you are, if you are fighting an addiction or if someone who is close to you is fighting an addiction, we do fail and we do fall. We're not perfect. We're not going to say, oh, well, I'm done with that and just kick it to the side and never go back to it again, right? We are human and Satan is trying to get out of us, trying to get at us. And when we are weak, he is going to attack and he's going to put those thoughts there. And he's going to put those, those things in place to get us to fall again. And then, and then get this. I know this is hard to believe. The father of lies is going to feed us lies. Who would have thought? But he's going to say things like, see, you could never do that. Do you, do you really think you are strong enough to kick that addiction? You've been struggling this for a decade, two decades, for as long as this has been in your life, you, you really think that you can get out from under this pressure, out from under this addiction? And let me impart some wisdom to you guys. Think about this for just a second. It makes so much sense. The only way you fall is when you get back up. Right? If, if an addiction has you down, when you stand up, when you start taking a step on that ladder and you take another step and you get knocked down, you just look back at Satan and you said, well, what are you talking about? I just did. That's why I fell. Right? That's why I failed again. That's why I fell to the temptation that you sent my way because I was up. I was doing better. Right? And the more that we struggle through that and we suffer, right, that builds endurance. So we know we've done it before. We can do it again. And we can go farther this time. We can go longer without that thing holding us back. And we might fall down again, but then we know that what we're capable of, we know what we can do. We can just get right back up there. We do it again, and we do it again, and we do it again, and we do it again. And it is hard, hard journey. But we've got to keep going. I love how he, the next, next verse right over this, Romans chapter 5 or 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Christ went to the cross so that we could have the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit within us so that we can get up, so that we can climb that ladder to get back to the gift that God had intended and planned for us from the beginning, right? The good gifts of this world. We can get back to that point when we get rid of the cheap imitation attempts, the cheap substitutes of this world. And when Christ went to the cross, he didn't say, you know, here I am once you get it together. Here, here, this is available to you, this good gift, I'll, get, I'll give it to you again. When you get your act together, when, when you straighten up, you know, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He died at the right point when we are weak so that we're not on our own to fight back. So that we're not by ourselves. Stop believing the lie from the father of lies that you have to do this on your own. Because the power of the spirit of God is within you and available to you. And with his help, you can do it. With the help of people in this room and a part of this church, you can do it. I have seen this church rally around people who need help and support, and we will help you stand back up. We will be there for you without criticism, without shaming you. When you fall again, we will help you. I know if you're new, if this is your first time, and you're struggling with something, you don't know anybody in here, and it's uncomfortable, and I get that, but I promise you that there are people here who want to help you. Maybe on the other end of that, maybe you've been coming here for 40 years, and you're like, oh, no, I couldn't. I could never say that I'm wrestling with that. I could never say that addiction has a hold on me. And maybe you need to be a little bit more careful of who you share that with. But you've seen this church rally around people. Stop believing the lies of Satan. Because God has something really good for you to experience. And it is so much better than these cheap substitutes. And he wants you to experience this again. There is hope. And the hope in Christ does not disappoint. Sometimes when we face addictions, we need more professional help than I or anyone in here may be able to provide. But we have resources and we will help get you in touch with whatever we can because God has given some incredible wisdom and incredible abilities to professionals in their field to help people get rid of addictions. And we will help get you connected with whatever we can because we want to be in your corner and we want to support you and we want to love you. We really do. Father God, we are so grateful for the good gifts that you have given us. God, when we think about just how you designed this world, you built in so much good and so much pleasure and so, oh, it is just breathtaking to see how you really want good for us. And God, Satan just tries to tear that down. He has given us so many cheap substitutes and imitation attempts that, that seem good for a time or seem good for a moment, but end up just being nothing compared to the good that you have in store for us. So God, I pray 
I pray that you will give people in here boldness and courage to reach out to help if, if they're in that place or if they have a good friend go in that place right now so that we can support, so that we can be your hands and feet to the people and, and embrace and help people find their way to you and the goodness that you have in store for them. Lord, we are in awe of your greatness and of the good that you truly are and that you have for us. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God really does have so much good in store and planned for us that he wants to give to you. And it all started there on the cross. It all started with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to give us God's spirit within our souls, within our being, to be with us wherever we go, whatever we do. And so we're going to pause in this moment to take communion as a church family together. If you'd like to pray with somebody, I'm going to be in the back so you don't have to walk to the front this week. And I'm going to be in the back and other people from our prayer team are going to be around. If you, if you need prayer, if you want to talk to someone about accepting Christ and, and getting out of an addiction and you want the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit at work in your life, then come find us. If you just need a hug, we're available for that too. But we are going to start by remembering where it all started and that's in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so glad. So glad that you spent so long preparing for your son to come because it was so important. And while we look to so many things in this world for meaning and purpose and value and salvation, they are all but cheap imitation attempts, cheap substitutes that just don't work. Because in Jesus is life, in Jesus is truth, in Jesus is hope and love, and we are so grateful. In this moment, may we, may we tell you how thankful we are, and may we find the boldness to reach out if we need help in this time. Lord, we love you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.